This is the MG Car Club Podcast with Wayne Scott and Adam Sloman. On this week's podcast, Adam and I pull out more fascinating artefacts from the Kimber House archives. We look at a new Polish EV and its similarities to MG models. And we talk to member Helen Blake about her amazing MGF collection. The MG Car Club Podcast. Hello and welcome to another MG Car Club podcast. Wayne Scott here with you. Adam's here as well. Hi, Adam. Hi, Wayne. How you doing? Good, mate. Here we are. We find ourselves in August already, and normally we would have just done Silverstone Classic, and it would be very, very busy with MG Car Club events. But uh, as we're getting used to now, this year is a strange one, and we were hoping to have eased lockdown restrictions by now and changed some of our coronavirus updates on the MG Car Club website. But then Boris came along last Friday and said he was putting the brakes on all of the restrictions easing. So things are staying kind of static for now, aren't they? Yeah, very much so. Um, I'm glad that the country's brakes are better than the brakes on my MGB, though. Otherwise, uh, yeah, who knows where we'd be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's definitely careering towards a second spike. But uh, you ought to get them bled out. I've told you about them before. You bleed your brakes, mate. I know, I know. But I'm, you know, if I wasn't sat here recording a podcast with you, I could be at home in the garage not bleeding my brakes. I've told you about buying those brake pads off those auto jumbles for 50p that have been <laughs> sat, in a, sat in a pool of water for 30 years. <laughs> Get some new brake pads. I'll put it on the shopping list, mate. <laughs> Do it. How is your MGB, by the way? Um, it's kind of static at the moment. Um, Have you not been using it? I haven't. I must admit, I haven't. Um, I do need to, to pull my finger out. I haven't had the time to uh, to replace the um, leaking fuel pipes um, as of yet. I've just been so busy. There's been so much going on between the kids being on summer holidays being back at Kimber House and not working from home. Um, Sarah's um, as busy as ever with, with her work. So, um, yeah, there's no excuse. We've just been flat out. So, um, yeah, I will. Uh, I consider myself well and truly told off and I will commit to get the, uh, the bee back out on the road in the very near future. Well, we are looking into new insurance policies within the MG Car Club, of course, that uh, mean that uh, your insurance is invalid if you don't cover at least 500 miles a year, Adam. So uh, you're not insured, mate. You've got to start driving it. Start moving it. The point is, though, MGs don't like not being used. And, uh, you know, they just don't like being sat around in garages all the time. So uh, if you are one of those people that has, like Adam, kept your MG tucked away in the garage for longer than it really should have been, there is some really good guidance on our coronavirus pages, just as a reminder, really, of the things to do to the car before you take it out on the road, because all sorts of things happen. Clutches bind, brakes get sticky, etc., and of course the MOT exemptions that they brought in um, if you are driving an MG that needs an MOT so it's younger than 40 years they have brought back in the requirement to have an MOT on your MG so don't forget that as well make sure it is MOT the extensions that they brought in uh, through till October are now not happening anymore if yours expired past the 1st of August you will need to get an MOT as normal so an important little point to make for MG owners of the newer MGs that need MOTs and uh, also of course exciting stuff because this week dropping on the uh, doormat was the brand new issue of Safety Fast Adam. Yes so it's um, it's another anniversary issue celebrating our 90th anniversary we're almost back up to present day with our retro front covers. Yes because um, this is something that's been happening all year we've been rerunning old style covers so where roughly are we in the decades now with this one? So we're now in the early 90s. So long-time members will remember our sort of brown and cream um, club colours that were sort of still fairly prominent within the club uh, in around 92, 93. So yeah, so that's the, the period we're sort of we're pitching uh, this month's issue at. I don't need to tell you the significance of the brown and cream, do I, Adam? Well, maybe you should, Wayne. We can't say too much because you have been told to keep this top secret, but let's just say you were involved in the filming 
of an interview for a television program this week. We're not going to tell you any more because we've been told that we can't. Um, but the significance of the brown and cream, of course, they were the colours, the company branded colours of the Great Western Railway. That was, of course, based just down the road in Didcot and uh, had yards in Abingdon as well. And was, of course, the inspiration for the Octagon logo that um, Cecil Kimber's original marketing man designed for MG all those years ago. But Yeah, I mean, today we uh, we tend to lean a bit more on British Racing Green, but we still do get um, quite a few members who are surprised to see so much green used in the club. They they still expect that, that brown and cream colour combo. And talking of history and history in Abingdon, if you're joining us here on the MG Car Club podcast for the very first time, I can recommend that you listen to the previous two episodes of this where we had Graham Robson on giving us a really in-detailed and in-depth look at the history of the Abingdon Works Competition Department. All sorts of great little nuggets of information came over the last couple of weeks with Graham as we explored the story of the Abingdon Works Competition Department in the anniversary of its closure and we've had so many lovely comments on that haven't we yeah there's been some really nice feedback from listeners and it just goes to show that you know despite it being sort of 40 plus years since the closure of abingdon um the achievements that, that happened here not just for the factory but also with the with the special tuning works um it's still something that really resonates with so many people and also we were running a membership promotion this month that's just come to an end where new members got a pack of top trumps didn't they it was something that we ran through our social media platforms and we're going to be running a few more of these membership promotions so make sure that you follow the mg car club on facebook instagram and twitter and we'll be keeping you up to date with the promotions that we're running over the coming months um it was really well received i think yeah, it did go really well. I mean, the top trumps are, are good fun. Um, but ultimately, we, you know, we want to try and get as many people to be part of the club, to be part of the community so they can enjoy all the benefits. You know, we, we do the podcast, which is great because so many people get to hear it and it does put us in front of a new audience. But we also want people to get the benefit of Safety Fast, of, you know, all the all the things you can find in the members area, our insurance discounts, our event tickets discounts. So... Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of benefit to be had from being a member of the club. And one of those benefits, of course, is access to Kimber House and the amazing archives. And we got so much good feedback from the MGF marketing document that we dragged out from the archives last week that we thought we'd dig something else out from the Kimber House archives this week. So what have you got for us, Adam? So, Wayne, you sent me back into the archive with my special white gloves on. Uh, I did, and, and your canary in a cage, just to yeah, check. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've got a couple of bits um, to talk about this week. I don't know if you can hear me rustling uh, mm. the papers. Um, so the first one comes from a 1967 edition of Safety Fast. And after hearing Graham talk to us last week, um, I thought it was really interesting. I just wanted to share with you news of a BMC tuning kit. Mm-hmm. So, for the first time in its history, BMC has made available a complete package tuning kit for BMC models, which will not invalidate the manufacturer's warranty. Very important. Very important. Um, it becomes even more important when you realise about the warranty in just a second. Um, at first, kits are only available for the 850cc Mini, the single carburetor 1100 and the 1800. Previously, tuning equipment has been obtainable from special tuning at Abingdon, but not in a comprehensive off-the-shelf kit. Any modifications automatically invalidated the guarantee on new cars, but when the kits are fitted, the 12-month warranty... What? How long? (laughs) 12 months. The 12-month warranty and the kit will also be guaranteed. Each kit is comprised of a downtown polished and gas flowed cylinder head, valve assemblies using stronger valve springs and standard size valves, an exhaust manifold with polished inlet ports and all the necessary gaskets and a set of appropriate plugs. Tuned exhaust systems are supplied for the kits for the 1800 and 1100, but engineers have considered the efficiency of the standard mini exhaust system could not be improved upon. So next time a noisy mini whiz kid tries to tell you that his big bore silencer gives his 850 the performance of a Cooper S, you'll know he's just an immature extrovert and all he's probably gaining from all that noise is damaged eardrums. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, yeah, okay. I'm not quite so sure that might necessarily be the case today with even better designs for exhaust systems. But yeah, probably then that was as good as you were going to get it. And what you need, of course, in exhaust systems is good back pressure. So going massive just makes, as it says, a lot of noise and not much power. But yeah, there's an insight into what Graham and I discussed, actually, that moment at which the Abingdon Works and Special Tuning... um, started to supply the aftermarket with tuning parts that were covered under warranty and that really did change the game and it's something that has become probably one of the biggest selling aspects of the modern motor industry now and and we were pretty good pioneers here in the British motor industry for that very early on and yeah really brilliant insight into that from Safety Fast in the 1960s. I mean what what tickled me though was that was that 12 month warranty because we we've spoken about MG's 7 year warranty that you get on a new car. You know back in the 60s it was you know that you've got 12 months and if it goes wrong after that well that's your fault. <laughs> yeah incredible. I mean, cars did age a lot quicker then didn't they? And even in our lifetime when you look back at the 80s cars they got very old very quickly, yet the car I drive today is absolutely immaculate and mint, despite the fact that it's got 160,000 miles on it and was built in 2008, which is 12 years ago now. You know, um, cars just don't age at the same rate as they once did. No, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I've got one other thing to share with you from the archive this week, yeah. and it's a bit of a challenge for you, mate. Mm-hmm. So this is a letter that was written to to an MG publication, okay. uh, written to our friends at MG Enthusiast. Right. Um, but I'm going to edit this letter slightly, and okay. then I want you to tell me when this letter was written and which car the owner is talking about. Right. Well, play along, everyone listening to this. Let's see how okay. we get on. So it says, Dear Sir, I saw your magazine, bought it, and took it home to read. The best part of it was the two-page advert for my car. The rest was full of funny old cars lacking in seats, headrooms and much else. There was a half page telling me that my car is not a proper MG. Dear Lord, some things never change. Do you remember the MG TF? That couldn't possibly be a real MG with those fared in headlamps and damn it, the wheels didn't have any spokes. And the Y-Type, well, a saloon can't be an MG, can it? What does all this show? It shows that an MG does not gain respectability until it's 10, preferably 12 years old. I suggest another criterion. If the manufacturer markets a vehicle with an MG badge, then it is an MG. My car is an MG. Other cars are not. Fortunately, drivers are waking up to the fact that my car is a fine car. With me and others new to the mark, they will be lining up to buy the new models that the manufacturer produces. And none of us will be decrying the lack of running boards or a starting handle. Your dilemma is whether to cater for us now or must we start our own new MG enthusiast? And that was from a Dr. W.J. King of Glamorgan. Right, so I've got to guess what car he's referring to and the year then, presumably. Yep. What do you think then, listeners to the podcast? What are you erring towards? Well, if I look at the evidence of what he's talking about, I would say he's talking about some very old cars there. He's talking about the TF of the 50s. He's talking about Y-types. And I know Kimber House has got some very, very old copies of magazines. Um, I'm not sure MG Enthusiast is as old as the 1950s though that's the only that's the only problem otherwise i would have said the mga or the mgb arriving is not a proper mg because it didn't have as he says didn't have running boards and a starting handle and all that kind of stuff (laughs) but my only problem with that is i don't think mg enthusiast magazine is that old so um i think this has got to be a dig at badge engineering as as was at some point in mg's history what do you think, podcast listener? Um, what are you thinking? I think, Adam, you've reached the time at which you should put us out of our misery. Okay, so this letter really could have been about any number of MGs, like you say. It could have been MGA, it could have been MGB. Could have um, been MG3. <laughs> could have been MG3, could have been ZR, ZS. Um, 
No, what that, that gentleman was actually referring to was his car was an MG Maestro EFI. And that oh. letter was written in December 1988. Wow. There you go. So very similar to the same criticisms and conversations that happen on the Facebook pages of the MG Car Club, even today, I would say. Um happening even back then with the MG yeah. Maestro. Well, there it, you go. Amazing. I, I, I saw it and it just blew my mind how the same argument, the same circular argument has been happening f- seemingly since, you know, since the 60s, like you say, since the MGB came along. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what it is that, that stops people from being able to accept the the new cars that wear the Octagon. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm initially, my initial reaction, as I said, was probably MGB because maybe that was a revolt against a car that didn't have a separate chassis anymore, you know? Because that was the main big thing in the early 60s. It can't be a proper MG, it hasn't got a chassis, you know? Uh, this monocoque, newfangled malarkey, how dare you? Um, but yeah, it, I mean, that just goes to prove that that conversation has been going on for years. And actually, we touched on it on the last episode of the podcast when I was talking about the SAs and the VAs, the big saloons of the mid-1930s and how controversial they were right the way back before the Second World War because people couldn't understand how MG could build a big saloon. <laughs> so, And it was still happening in the 80s and it still happens now. Amazing. Brilliant. A little nugget of insight there from the MG Car Club archives, of course, based at Kimber House. And also, that leads us neatly on to talking about MG and their cars now. And we talked a lot about when we look at new MGs, we have to look at them through the point of view that MG has to sell cars. They have to make cars that people are going to buy. And a good confirmation, if you like, that you've got the right idea is when other people try and copy it. And I did notice there was a new car launched last week. Not only a new car, but a new car manufacturer. And you can count on, yeah, you can count on one hand, I think, the number of new car manufacturers that have launched since the Second World War, especially in the Western world. You've got the likes of Shaw Kia. We've seen Daewoo that then became um, Chevrolet. You've got Sanyong and people like that. Of course, Tesla have come along in the last 10 years or so. But the number of new car manufacturers is very small in post-war periods. But there is a new one on the scene, and it's a Polish electric car called the Izera. Uh, the Zera being from the famous Polish mountain region, of course. And it's made by the Polish engineers and stylists that are part of a company called Electromobility Poland. Now, it's a bit of a mishmash of na- nationalities, actually, in that they went to an Italian styling house to get the car designed. They went to a German engineering company to get the car built in prototype form and they're currently on the market to find a underpinning a base on which basically to build this car in mass production because they can't afford to put it into mass production without buying the base on another car so it'll probably be based on something like a Volkswagen I'm not sure time will tell I have a feeling they've launched this car perhaps a little too early but I also have a feeling the launch is partly because they obviously need to get themselves out in the market to invite offers from major manufacturers to purchase their cars to use as a base for them. Um, Interestingly, the project manager on this vehicle uh, is a Polish ex-employee of Jaguar Land Rover, who has has been brought in basically from Jaguar to project manage it. And so they've got some real good talent working on this project. It will be the first Polish car to have been built since the likes of the Serena and the Polonaise FSOs, uh, way back in the communist times, of course. So it is quite a big thing for Poland, but it was met with some controversy in that a lot of the backers from the electric companies that have been putting money into it weren't present at the launch the fact that they had a launch at all and it was a very old school press launch with rounds of applause as they pulled the cloths off on a posh stage stuff you know we don't see car launches like that anymore and of course in covid19 times getting pressed together in a room is not the best plan really so they were criticized for that and i think the car has probably been launched a little bit too early they can't tell us how much it's going to cost or you know how they have any hope of funding 
production on a mass scale but the immediate thing that struck me was you can see the Jaguar influences it's very similar to the I-Pace in particular and immediately especially looking at the branding and the logo there's definitely a whiff of MGZS about it as well I mean it's interesting it's a it's a tried and tested formula to go to an Italian styling house um, for your car I mean that was something that um, you know Triumph did and, and MG did with with Pin and Farina absolutely um, yeah and, know, the, and Torino Design was the company and they have worked with big global brands like BMW as well it's interesting. I mean, we've seen um, a lot of sort of pop-up electric, electric car manufacturers um, in China um, because, you know, you can buy a platform, you can essentially plonk a body on top of it, and you've bought the technology in from another company. So very quickly, you're suddenly a car manufacturer. But there have been a lot of new startups appear in China and then disappear very quickly when, you know, the dealer network isn't there, um, the servicing isn't there, the spares aren't there. It'll be interesting to see if this does have any legs on it, but um, I don't know. It's a really hard market to get into, especially when you look at some of the biggest companies in the world are pulling out of, of the European market. You know, we've just seen Mitsubishi have announced that they're pulling out of the UK and Europe with all new cars. Um, General Motors, you know, pretty much disposed of, of uh, Vauxhall and Opel to, to Peugeot as quickly as they could and, and now don't sell cars outside of the US other than in, in Asia. So it's a, it's a brave... Uh, brave move to to try and start a new car company in this market it is but don't you think that the electric revolution has opened up new pockets of the market for new players to come into it and where the older manufacturers the more traditional brands haven't got the agility to move quickly enough to take those gaps on the gaps that have been produced by people like tesla Companies like this are exploiting that gap that's left in the market at the moment for an affordable, fully electric vehicle. And that is precisely where MG are. That's why I'm mentioning this, really, because it's almost validation through copying that MG have kind of got it right in the way they're attacking the global market. Because if you look at Poland as well, 8% of the national GDP goes into the automobile. Uh, comes from the automotive industry so it's the second largest industrial sector in the country and poland is the biggest western country that doesn't have its own car manufacturing brand which this i think is, is a phenomenal stat really it is it is but i i would think um like you say mg are moving to fill those gaps you know especially with the zs and the mg5 ev that's coming later this year uh, I think probably a, a more sustainable route to success for the Polish automotive uh, sector, if it if it is to have one, would be for factories to be built in Poland um, by existing manufacturers. I don't know if um, if Fiat have still got their their plant in Poland. I know that that was building the Fiat 500 and the previous generation Ford Ka. So I don't know quite what is is built in Poland today. Well, they are looking at this project creating three and a half thousand jobs. They've already invested 30 million zloty into getting this car into prototype stage. I just wonder if anyone's listening to this podcast at MG Motor, either in China or anywhere else, maybe it's worth picking up the phone to these guys and saying, why don't you use an MG? Because, you know, there's a, obviously they're desperate to have a manufacturer help them take that brand to the next level. Or maybe you need to go along in Poland and blow them out of the water. Either or, really. <laughs> um, it's just, for me, it is just confirmation of the fact that the opportunity for MG is there. It's confirmation because other companies like this will have got the backing and will have got the motivation to do these things and produce these cars because they too see the gap in Europe for an affordable, fully electric SUV vehicle just like the MG ZS EV and of course the new MG5 that has just been launched as well. It's confirmation for me that I think what MG seem to be doing, for them at least, for selling cars in vast units, which is what at the end of the day they have to do, it is the right move and they're going in the right direction, I think. Completely agree with you, mate. But it doesn't take away the fact that we still want them to make us a sexy sports car. I know, we all feel the same, but <laughs> we will wait for that day when it comes. We should be all very excited about it. The MG Car Club Podcast. 
The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centers and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Share your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. Now on the MG Car Club podcast, more of our members' stories and stories from you, the MG Car Club members, about the type of MGs that you drive and the type of things that you do with them. And very pleased to say we've got one of, well, our younger members. It's Helen Blake, and she lives way up there in North Yorkshire. Hiya, Helen. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. So let's start at the beginning then. You are an MG owner, not just of one MG, but of several. Talk us through the collection. So I have got, um, I'll, I'll do it in chronological order. So I've got my MG Midget 1978. She's vermilion red and she's called Tulip. Um, she's the first one that I bought back in, I think it was seven years ago now. In fact, it was seven years ago yesterday, or the day before it came up on Time Hop on Facebook. Yeah. And um, I bought her as a result of a motorbike accident and uh, I, I fell out with biking and I thought, I need a toy. Uh, had a bit of a payout from the accident. I was absolutely fine. Um, and then I thought, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a four wheeled toy. So I had a daily, but I just wanted a, a toy. And I was looking at MR2 roasters, you know, Toyotas. And then um, my, I think it was my boss that said, "Why don't you buy a classic car?" And I thought, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. So I looked on eBay at what I could afford, and it was either an MG Midget or an MGB. Uh, and I went to look at a couple of bees and a couple of midgets and nothing really took my fancy. And then I went to the local MG show in Pateley Bridge and there was this beautiful vermilion red MG midget and I just fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. And so I bought her first and then about two or three years later, um, I was very lucky to receive an MGF, a freestyle SE in silver and uh, she's called Bobby. And these were one of the special limited edition ones, weren't they, the freestyles? Yeah, one of the last uh, Fs they made before they started doing the TS. Mm -hmm. Um, So she looks really nice, um, and she sounds well. She's got a Mark 7 TT exhaust on. Um, And she's the one that I have thrown around the California Cup auto test uh, for three years running, and actually won the fastest lady in three years running. So she's quite well known. Um, and she's the one that I always do Friends of London in because of the exhaust and the dark tunnel. So that one's fun. <laughs> and then I got, oh, then I got yellow one. So she's a spot, Sunspot Yellow MGTS um, monogram. And she's one of only 49 in that colour. So she's really rare. Um, never comes out because she's my show car. Um, and I'm actually terrified to ruin her beautiful paintwork because it is very nice. So she is currently sat just in storage, um, waiting for the shows to start. Then I can bring her out. Um, but yeah, she's very pretty. And then my daily driver is my most recent purchase is Raven, my anthracite metallic uh, cool blue TF. Um, and she's very pretty as well. She's got very nice black wheels to go with her almost black paint and she's actually going to get valeted tomorrow she's going to have a a nice treat and a reproof on her roof so that's my current mg collection i have had others but um you know you're buying salt stuff don't you fantastic there's lots of people listening green with envy right now at a collection like that (laughs) you are involved in motorsport as well very successfully actually and i know that extends to autograss competing as well in a citroen saxo and, and other forms of motorsport where did the motorsport element start uh, that started five years ago um i was introduced to the autograph world um and i started in a classic fiat punto with a Vauxhall red top racing engine in it um but i really wasn't very good at the start because you know, I've never done it before. You don't get to practice. You just get thrown in the deep end and off you go. So it took about two and a half years for me to realize how to race. Um, and then I went into Stop Catch, which is the current car that I race. It's a Citroen Saxo 1.6. And um, actually the current club champion and overall club champion. Um, I've also won a Bass Round, which is a British Autograph Series. And I came forth from the Nationals last year as well. Um, so... I've actually ended up being sponsored um, due to 
how well I've done, which is excellent. Um, and it's just great fun. But, you know, because of lockdown, racing hasn't happened. I've been out once this year, which was two weeks ago, and I'm due to go out this Sunday as well. But it's only testing at the moment. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really pleased with, with how far I've come with racing, and I can't wait to see what is in store for the future. Brilliant. And also the MG connection goes back into your family, doesn't it, as well? And you discovered a story that goes way back in your family, long after you'd actually bought your first MG. Tell us about that. Yeah, so every year for for since I was born, me and my family all went down to visit Nana and Grandad, who lived in Abingdon. Um, and I used to always love going down to Abingdon every year. Lovely place. Uh, didn't have a clue about MGs. And then... Um, since I bought my midget, my mum suddenly came up, came out with, oh, did you know that your granddad used to work in the MG factory at Abingdon and built MGBs? And that, that was like a huge piece of information for me. I'd already fallen in love with the midget. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. So um, I visited Kimber House, and I just felt this huge connection with, with Abingdon because my family from there and um, the fact that my granddad built the MGs and then I, then I owned an MG. And I actually bought an MG. B and then a BGT as well um, so I felt like a really strong connection there and then I, just, I started um, you know I, I then joined all the clubs and I started reading magazines and just finding out bits but uh, I think the bit where, where the obsession really kicked off was my first ever vis- visit to Kimber House and it was Colin who showed me around and his knowledge was just it was just fantastic um, and that's when the obsession really sort of blossomed into what it is today um, and it's all just sort of gone on from there really and it's great to see that not only have you got the classic side of the mg mark with your midget but also that you're using a tf as everyday transport and they are actually practical little sports cars to use every day still aren't they they are brilliant i love it i mean i ran my silver one which i've just saw recently i ran it all through winter last year and it apart from one day when i i got stuck in the snow but that's because the lander sensor was a bit iffy um it it got me through all sorts of north yorkshire weather and um you know you can fit lots of stuff in the boot you can get the roof down and fit more stuff in the passenger side so they really are a practical little car and they're great looking and they're so much fun to drive the mg car club is 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 encouraging everyone to be involved in what we like to call as the worldwide family what do you think it is that creates the barriers to more females being in, involved with this fantastic hobby and indeed with motorsport as well i'm not sure really i, I don't know if it's um if if people have families and more responsibilities i i, I don't know I, I don't know if it's because they think it's a it's more of a man thing to do or they're just not interesting cars i don't understand it because i'm one of these petrol head nutters who just love it um but you know there are lots of ladies out there who do like cars and you know, car freaks, um, car rate, you know, lady racers who I know. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say we are a bit of a rare breed. <laughs> well, most welcome, of course. And one of the things is looking after all of these cars, Helen. So how do you keep on top of maintaining all of these MGs? I mean, you must have like a full-time job keeping on top of which one needs an MOT next, surely. Well, because I don't take, I don't, I don't keep them all on the road at the same time. The midget's been packed up for two years. She's just sat there, bless her, um, you know, sheeted up. Um, the yellow one won't come out until there's a show, um, and I, I will probably just trailer that one because I just don't want to get it damaged. Uh, my daily gets all the maintenance it needs, um, and a good friend over in Manchester who actually sponsors my stock hatch, um, he. It maintains my MGs for me. He, Jason Swinyard of MG and Alpha Spares, just sort of put that shameless plug in. <laughs> um, he maintains uh, my car for me. Like, I'll ring him up and go, this has gone wrong, will you help me? So I'll go over to Manchester and go through him. Um, and then Bobby, the silver one, is currently parked up too, but usually I'll have about two or three of them on the road ready to just take out, but this year's just been a bit different. I love the fact that you've named them all. How do you name them? Oh, all my vehicles have names. <laughs> uh, I name them either by colour, registration number, or if a, a name just springs to mind. Um, so Raven, because it's black like a raven is. Um, Bobby was named by my friend's son. Um, Honeybee is the yellow one, simply because it's yellow. <laughs> and Tulip, because I've seen tulips in that colour, you know, that sort of vermilion red. 
Uh, my motorbike's called Chance because it was a second chance of biking. My van's called Vixen because it begins with a V. <laughs> what else have I got? Oh, my Escort is called Blue because it's blue. It That's just, yeah, I'm a bit mad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm enjoying this. Um, in the ideal situation then, Helen, I came to you and I gave you a blank cheque to buy any MG that you wanted to add to your collection. What's the one oh, MG that you? Yeah, <laughs> what's the one MG that you would like one day, regardless of cost, to add to that selection of cars? I would have an ice white 85th anniversary TS. Really? Yeah, I just adore the TS. I love them so much, and the 85th is something very special. I saw one um, in Linford's actually, and I just love it. I love the colour. I love the fact that it's got the N-series, it's got the upgraded suspension. I just love everything about it, and I would have one. Actually, I was down at Trophy Cars a couple of weeks ago, and there was a beautiful, oh, the Twister Pepper wheels as well, that was a beautiful white one. It wasn't an 85th, but it looked very similar, and it had the Twister Pepper wheels on. And I just love them, and that is what I'd buy. Of course, the 25th anniversary of the MGF this year, and uh, I know. a celebration we should have had, unfortunately, but uh, COVID has put paid to that. But a great model, probably the most accessible of the MG range now, isn't it, really? I'd say so, especially recently. I mean, unfortunately, prices have plummeted, but I've sort of taken advantage of that. That's how I came across the cool blue one. Um, but they are so affordable at the moment. I would say to anyone if you want to buy a cheap future classic that's only going to ever um you know increase in value go buy an f or a ts the ts have already started going up uh, the f's are actually rock bottom at the moment but yeah i would go and buy one because they are a future classic they don't make them anymore and they're so nice to see on the road and they've got a fantastic group following as well like within the mg car club um i'm in so many different groups and facebook groups and it's so nice to just go for a drive out with a group of people who've all got the same car and the same love for these cars so i would just highly recommend to anyone go buy one because you're not going to go wrong you took it on a fantastic rally as well didn't you uh, a little while ago I did. I was invited to take part in a, a nighttime road rally in the, uh, the local motor club um and uh, you know, instantly I was like, oh my gosh, is my car all right for this? Do I need a roll cage? Do I need a helmet? What are the terms and conditions? So look, basically, I've got a navigator. We just need a driver. So I thought, oh, I'm up for this. You know, this is just like a random Wednesday evening after work uh, in the middle of winter. And I thought, yeah, let's let's do this. So uh, I got my, my very rough uh, daily driver at the time, the silver TF called Peanut, because it had KP at the end, you know, KP, KP Peanuts. Didn't have a clue what I was doing, as per usual. Uh, and, and the navigator was like, right, okay, so there's a sign in here. Um, I'm going to plot a route on the map due to all the clues they're going to give me. I looked at these clues and I was like, I don't even know what this is. It, could, it might as well be in Greek. So he plotted the map and just basically said, I'm going to tell you where to go. You just drive it like you stole it. Uh, so I did. And it was fantastic. The, thick, the, the fog was so thick. It, we could barely see anything. I didn't know where I was. It was pitch black. It was middle of uh, December. It was raining. You know, it was typical North Yorkshire weather, basically. And um, I followed all these, these directions and all these weird actions. He was saying, you know, foot down, 30 right and 40 left into 20 right and stuff that I'd never heard of before, but I just sort of drove. Anyway, we, we got to the end of the thing and collected all these codes and handed in our time and uh, got to the pub and there was a free meal at the end of it which is always good if you're from Yorkshire you know we don't like to spend money and um, I ended up winning my class and I'd never done that before either and I thought my gosh and you know my little rough car that I thought I'd broken you know during this thing because I'd sort of taken off in a Dukes of Hazard style over this humpback bridge and it, it just it, it was phenomenal the car really was fantastic and I sold it to a friend actually um and i said if you ever need to sell it show them the article that i wrote about this car doing this night rally so it was in fast forward you know the mgf and tf register magazine so i wrote it and then there was a little bit in the safety fast as well about it so that'll be a good selling point so if anyone wants to buy the silver car that my friend will be selling 
uh, it's famous. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And this is the thing about MGs. They are so easy to use. Just your road car without too much preparation. We were talking a few podcasts ago about track days and uh, some of the hill climbing and sprinting stuff that you can basically just use a road-going MG for. And, and that kind of motorsport's the same, isn't it? It's very easy to take a MG pretty much road going without too many modifications and use it in proper good motorsport like that that's the thing i mean this was my daily driver i'd literally come home from work in it got the phone call went out and did this road rally came back home and went to work the next day in it and i was like well that was fun Brilliant. you know you, you don't need modifications you don't need roll cages you, you, you didn't need any of that stuff it was just you know, i think it was about 15 pounds to join the club and that was it you were away and that's the thing, isn't it? It's a car on the one hand, but on the other, it opens up a whole lifestyle for you and, and opens up all these people that you wouldn't have normally met. And that's the great thing about the MG Car Club and getting involved with the cars, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's brilliant. Uh, the, the club scene is fantastic. They put on the fantastic show that is MG Live. The magazines are great. The Facebook, Facebook groups are brilliant. There's absolutely fantastic people out there, and, and they've all, they all share the same passion. In a normal year, Helen, what would your year with the MG look like? What sort of events do you go to normally? What are some of your best memories of events you've been to in your MGs? So within the MG calendar, my first one of the year, and something I really look forward to with my best friend Claire, is we go to Friends Around London every year. It's in February, just after Valentine's. And it involves a topless drive on the M25 at midnight in February. So it's freezing. And we do it in fancy dress every year. Um, and it's just, it's a fantastic event. It raises lots of money for UK Homes for Heroes. Um, and it's it's the first meet of the season where you all get to meet up and talk about Christmas and talk about the plans. So, you know, all, all we talked about when we went down there was uh, Pride of Longridge, which would have been the next one, but then COVID happened. So, yeah, first of all, it's Friends of London, then it's Pride of Longridge, uh, and then it's other car shows and events that come throughout the year. It was going to be MG Live and MG MGF25 this year. Um, you know, a jam-packed diary full of things when I wasn't racing, but all of which never happened. Well, hopefully 2021 we can condense them all in and enjoy them just like we would have done this year. And uh, how has been the COVID thing for you personally? Have you uh, got through it okay? Yeah, I think I had it actually the weekend of Friends of London before it was a thing. Um, I wasn't very well at all, but I soldiered on because I wasn't going to miss out. Um, and then ever since then... Uh, lockdown happened um, because I work in a school I was still working but not full-time and then we went back full-time the 1st of June um, and now I'm on a six weeks holiday so you know I've kept safe and just sort of carried on really. More time to play with the MGs now. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the plans for the cars uh, for the rest of this year then? Obviously, uh, get to any events you can do that might be running, but uh, any maintenance that they need or any projects on them? Actually, yes. The uh, Raven is booked in to have her rear, rear arches done. Uh, that was a birthday present. Um, so she's booked in in September to get those done because the previous owner sort of bodged them up. So I'm going to get them done properly. Um, I'd like to get the midget out um, and up and running. Uh, my dad, bless him, said that he might like that as a winter project. He's retired now, um, and he's got a midget as well. So I might do that. Um, and if there are any shows towards the back end of the year, I'd like to get the other one out. Mm. And, of course, practice at some point for a return to the auto solo at MG Live, because you've done very well at that in the past, haven't you? Yeah, it was great fun because I'd never done anything like that before. I just, it, it was my first ever time to MG Live. I think it was 2016. And I saw um, on the, the program of events, it said, enter the uh, California Cup auto test and uh, go for the fastest lady. And I thought, oh, that would be fun. I've never done it before, but I'll give it a go. And so I got there and did, did whatever it is they said that I had to do. And I thought, oh, well, you know, first time, not going to be any good. And I couldn't believe it when they said my name for the fastest lady. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. So then I came back the next year and I thought, right, well, I'll, I'll try and get it again. And I did it. And I thought, oh, my gosh. But 
by the third year, I thought, well, this is pressure now. I feel like people expect me to, to do it. And more and more ladies were entering, which is fantastic to see. And I couldn't believe when I got it a third time. And I thought, oh, my gosh. So this year was going to be the fourth attempt. Uh, but it never happened. So we'll just see what next year brings. Well, I do know from watching you uh, uh, the year before last at MG Live, throwing your MG around the auto test, uh, that you certainly do it with some flair and some passion, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, I had great fun commentating on you with uh, Danny Hopkins, of course, from Practical Classics when we presented the Village Green Arena that year. So, uh, yes, it's stuck in my memory, actually, that uh, you put on a very good showing and were well-deserved of the win. You came along to MG Live, you gave it a go. You were a bit brave, I suppose gave it a go and got stuck in what advice if there's any other girls listening who want to get involved with cars and the mg scene what advice would you give to them to to get more involved and get started i would just say to them get an mg of your choosing turn up at these events get chatting to people they're all really friendly and just put yourself out there have a go at things it doesn't matter if you do well or not I, I put myself out there without having a clue what I was doing and came away with a trophy. And, um, you know, it, it was just incredible to have a go and even better to to actually win something. So you never know what you're capable of until you give it a go. That was That would be my advice. Just have a go. Give it a go. Fantastic. And you never know, you might be so famous at it that soon someone gives you a call and gets you on the MG Car Club podcast like I did for you. That's exactly right. <laughs> and now you'll be signing autographs everywhere you go, Helen. I can tell you that now. Oh. <laughs> I'll remember you when I'm rich and famous. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, remember us here on the podcast and where it all began. <laughs> I will. <laughs> well, it's been fantastic talking to you about your, your MG world, basically, and your, your experience of the brand. And if I was to talk to you about non-MGs, I'm sensing from our conversation that you are an out-and-out petrol head. For non-MGs, what, what's the cars that you like? Uh, Non-MG cars, oh, there's just so many cars that I love. McLaren, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, all the expensive stuff. That you yeah, all the cheap afford. stuff. Yeah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, the, I love the cheap retro stuff as well. Like, you know, like, well, they're not cheap anymore, but, you know, Peugeots and Novas. And I've got a, an Escort XR3i. I love the Mark II Escorts. There's just something about those, but they're way out of my price range. Um, I love the Cobras. My dad's got a Cobra, which I'm insured on, which is great fun. Mm. Oh, Mustangs. I love Mustangs. I think if it's got four wheels and looks nice and sounds nice, I'm all over it. Well, it's been fantastic to share your love for cars on the MG Car Club podcast. Thanks for joining us, Helen Blake. Thank you. The MG Car Club podcast. Safety Fast, the magazine of the MG Car Club. Get your copy now by joining us at mgcc.co.uk. We did advise people in previous episodes about our handy bandanas which i've been using as a face covering and they've been working very very well actually much nicer than those horrible face mask things that the supermarkets are selling uh, they've done so well that they sold out straight away so now we've got some more in and it's another version of a bandana which basically what you do is you sort of pull it over your head down around your neck and then you can lift it up over your nose and mouth and it's a fantastic face covering for going into the shops and these new ones are black with an mg logo on just a single mg logo and they're in the shop now and they're blooming handy aren't they adam they're really useful you know you can rewash them they're environmentally friendly we've um i've seen a, a lot of people discarding masks like you walk across the supermarket car park and there are just face masks dumped on the ground and that's that's not a good idea because they spread coronavirus they harm the environment so so yeah if you can buy something that's comfortable reusable and and stylish as our uh, bandanas are then yeah it's a perfect solution brilliant and they're all on there on the mg car club shop shop.mgcc.co.uk or you can find the links from mgcc.co.uk from the homepage there and uh, more 90th anniversary merchandise in the form of baseball caps as well which i wish i'd have worn last weekend because i'm sporting some rather nice lobster skin effect going on here from a little bit too much sun i got burnt i should have had my mg car club 90th anniversary baseball cap on shouldn't i 
gotta protect your gotta protect your head mate it's uh for for gentlemen like you and i who are shall we say a little bit thin on top um <laughs> it's all important to get that uh, get that protection and the 90th anniversary merchandise just doesn't stop reindeer so yeah get yourself a, a 90th anniversary baseball cap and they've got a good clasp on the back which is essential on a baseball cap when you're driving with no roof got to make sure that's nice and tight otherwise one of them lorries comes by whoosh, your hat's gone the number of flat caps i've lost on the m40 and places like that uh, the motorways of britain are littered with my flat caps <laughs> so it's very good to have a proper clasp on the back of that uh, they all are I, available all, now all i can imagine now is you driving down the road and just hats just flying from uh, from the roof of your car that's just quite an image that tickled me sorry about that literally that's how it is i got through three in one trip once up to scotland i was going to boness revival i had three hats went flying out the window and they never do it on like a b road where you can stop and go and pick it up it's always the outside lane of the m74 round glasgow ring road or something ridiculous well a lot of people sort of like pin a, like a shoelace or something or like a cord to them and then tie them around your neck so that if they do blow off they don't you don't lose them but you kind of ju- look like john mccrurick then right? so, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really fit with me so yeah i i must i must wear tighter flat caps i have got a particular cap that i wear in the car with the roof off but it's so tight whenever i turn up anywhere i've like a red ring around the top of my head for at least two hours afterwards <laughs> <laughs> so probably just need to buy myself a 90th anniversary baseball cap from the mg car club shop and stop messing about stop losing hats and so should you, you. they're available now <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful insight into your headwear there mate yes i, I love that thank you that's <laughs> useful consumer advice you see adam uh also we've got some sexy looking bespoke car mats on the shop these are available once again and these are really nice actually and they're particularly nice if you've got a very rare mg because not only can they make the mats to fit your exact floor pan which you can send a paper template off to the mg car club uh, shop to get these made up but also they can do any logo from any of the mg cars that you'd like so any era of mg or if there's a particular logo that you want on or if there's a you know you can even have your your local uh, mg car club centers logo put on them as well they're fantastic very customizable uh, they bought through hamilton classic of course uh, exclusive to us on the mg car club shop and available now to customize for yourself and there's all sorts of different carpet grades and colors aren't there yeah and the thing with these are they are really really good quality i've got a set for my bgt um and as i think i've mentioned on the podcast before my b is blaze orange so i've got a navy interior so i had the mats made up in navy with the mg logo um but i got uh, the guys at hamilton to do um orange stitching which really ties the, the mats in really nicely with the car so yeah they are lovely and they will last you forever well they are on the shop if you click club shop and i'm going to do it now while i say this you click club shop and then you go to car accessories which is actually the third button down on the mg car club shop you will find them on page two so as you scroll over to page two they're at the very bottom of page two actually uh, called car mats bespoke you can get the mg car club logo on uh, we can do the mg car club's 90th anniversary branding on if you like any of those logos will go on there you can find them now on the shop via the mg car club website at mgcc.co.uk or of course very simply have a look in your inbox you should have received the uh, weekly newsletter from the mg car club just follow the links from there and you'll find them very very easily and that adam think just about brings us to the end of another brilliant mg car club podcast it's been great doing it with you once again amazingly we're heading towards the magic uh, 20 episodes already brilliant see you next week subscribe to receive new episodes of the mg car club podcast at mgpodcast.uk